My prayer today and our prayer today is that just as the disciples and those around Jerusalem that viewed Jesus Christ as risen, that he would be seen as risen in our lives today by the spirit of the living God. Amen. There was a there was a pastor that was uh, walking with his three year old kid. The three year old kid was on a big wheel and they were walking along and the kid uh, just out of the blue said, Jesus died on a cross. And of course, the pastor, very proud of his three year old theologian, was like, yes, amen, praise God. And he's walking along and he asked the three year old uh, theologian, what and what happened next? And, you know, wanting to just be revealed the three-year-old's knowledge of the atoning sacrifice, ascension, glorification, and intercessional aspect of Jesus Christ. Uh, the father asked the three-year-old, what comes next? And the kid thought about it, and then he yells out, the Easter Bunny gives candy, you know. Sometimes with everything going on in our world and our culture, we conflate a lot of things into a pseudo-religious pagan philosophy that dilutes the power of the Spirit of God in our lives and the Word of God, the truth of God in our hearts. Amen? My prayer for my, myself, my family, our church family today is that the risen Christ will take control over our lives, that he would empower us, change us, transform us from the inside out, that we wouldn't just be a good church attender, attending, giving, serving, even, even leading, but not knowing the resurrection power and the life of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our King, and our Savior. How many folks go to church they don't understand who Christ is. Remember the story of Lazarus? Jesus came to Lazarus. He waited four days. Mary and Martha were kind of upset and said, listen, Jesus, if you were here, you could have healed him. And Jesus said, don't worry. He's just sleeping. And then Mary said, yeah, we know. We know that the resurrection of all people will be at the end of the age. And Jesus said a profound statement that I think we all should take to heart now. Jesus said, no, no, no. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Isn't that awesome? A lot of Christians uh, maybe raise their hand in a service and give their heart to the Lord and they grab their ticket and they're just waiting, plodding on through until the train of glory gets to the pearly gates. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus died for our trespasses and he was raised for our justification. He died for our trespasses. He bore the shame, the guilt, the condemnation, the horror of sin. Upon his life, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God. He knew no sin. We've all experienced the horror of sin, the abuse laid upon us, the oppression laid upon us by others, 
and the abuse that we lay upon ourselves by selfish, self-centered, stupid decisions that lead us all and have led us to all unintended consequences. Jesus Christ has come to give us not only and save us not only from the penalty of sin where we can get to heaven and turn in our ticket, but he wants to give us the very power of resurrection life to change us from the inside and live this Christian life through the power of the Holy Spirit as we let the Holy Spirit affect our heart. Amen? Our heart. It's an interesting concept today. We have a lot of, a lot of people saying a lot of things about the resurrection of Jesus. Have you heard crazy things? Let's read, let's read the portion of scripture in Luke. If you want to turn to Luke chapter, uh, chapter 22. Sorry, Luke chapter 24. And we'll read from the first verse. And this morning as we read, I love movies. I love movies. I vicarious live my life through movies. Okay? I'm always the hero. Okay? I'm always the guy that wins the day. I'm always the guy that destroys wickedness and evil. And I'm here to win the day. That's my, that's my, that's my thing. I want us to, to, to get into this story. Let the Holy Spirit speak about the passions, the doubt, the disbelief, and everything that's wrapped up in Luke chapter 24. Are we, are we ready? All right. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in a dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, the eleven being the disciples of Jesus Christ, and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and the Mary of mother, the Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them as idle tale, as an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Way to go, disciples of Jesus Christ. Way to go. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all these things that had happened while they were talking and discussing together. Jesus himself, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, where in the world have you been? Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, word and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests, rulers, delivered him up to be condemned to death, crucified him. But we had, 
hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those were with us and went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ, the Messiah, should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now that would be a Bible study I would love to attend. Amen. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us? While he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with him, with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them. Sneaky, sly God we serve, amen? Sneaking in and out. Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do you doubt? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. They even had fish fry back then. Isn't that something? Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high." Then he led them out as far as Bethany, lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. Oh, yes. What a great God. What a great God. In Acts chapter 1, Luke wrote Luke. Luke also wrote Acts. And Luke says this in chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, which was the book of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 
during 40 days in speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Wow. We have a lot of ramblings and conflating philosophies and opinions out there about Christ's life, Christ's death, his resurrection. There's a nonsensical rambling about the fact that Jesus didn't really die, but he swooned his death. He faked his death on the cross. Do you know that there is not a single case anywhere from anyone living after being crucified? The Romans knew how to torture people. They knew how to kill people. That was their profession. That was their job. Those guys by the cross, they knew exactly how to kill a person and how to create the greatest pain and suffering there. And they loved it. Jesus definitely died on that cross. Amen? There's a study from the Journal of the American Medical Association that states clearly the weight of the evidence indicates that Jesus was dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted. And now, this is going to blow your mind, but we actually have a new, an atheist New Testament scholar. You know, it's kind of weird. Atheist New Testament scholar, Gerd Ludeman, states, historically, it's indisputable that Jesus was dead. Why did our Savior have to die? I was talking to someone just yesterday, and they hate Good Friday because they, he hates what happened to Jesus. There's people blaming the Romans. There's people blaming the Jews. Do you know that Jesus, in John chapter 10, said, Whoa, I laid down my life for the sheep. Amen? I'm the one that can take it up. I have the authority to do that. And I have the authority to lay it down. And guess what? Our great God, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, chose, chose to leave his throne, majesty and splendor, live a life, die a death, work salvation for us, be raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, glorified by God the Father, and in glorifying Christ, Christ sent the Holy Spirit to empower us, to change us, to change our our self-righteous religious attitude, pride, and arrogance. Amen? The judgment that we have when we look down on people, Christ never did. He saves us from our abject misery and desperation, and he saves us from our arrogance and our pride and our self-righteousness that says, Holy Spirit, I don't need you. I got this all good just by myself. I know how to live a religious life. I don't need your resurrection power. I don't need to have your spirit and the word of truth invade my heart because I'm good. Today, my cry for each one in this place is that the Holy Spirit would invade your heart with such a powerful refining fire that you would feel the burn of his holiness. Amen? The burn of his holiness. It saves you sanctifies you, empowers you to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the words that come out of our mouth would honor and glorify him, not curses, but blessings. Amen? We would not gossip. 
we would not complain, we would not grumble, but in everything give thanks, for this is the will of the literal will of God for you concerning you in Christ Jesus. How many people complained this morning? I did. And then I said, God, forgive me. Guys, there's a promised land of the Holy Spirit's work and power in your life that he wants you to be engaged in. Stop your complaining. Stop looking at your circumstances and your situations and, and getting all fixated on, 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 on what's happening around you. Raise your eyes to the risen Christ where we are raised with him. Amen. Seated in heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing is ours because of what Christ has done. He's taken us up and now he's given us the authority and he sends us out as proofs of his great love and of his great power and of his resurrection power. Friends, the world needs life, doesn't it? We see death and decay, oppression, injustice, abuse all over the world. God wants us to be living proof of the glory of a life that is redeemed and bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Do you, do you, do you hear me today? Amen? Do you feel me? All right. So, we all, we all know that Jesus was dead. Amen? All right. Then there's the early accounts of the resurrection. Many believe that the account of Jesus' resurrection was a legend. Did, did you hear that? Do, do you hear that? Like hundreds of years later, they, they came up with the idea, hey, why don't, we, uh, why don't we come up with this idea that Jesus Christ raised from the dead? No. We have preserved for us a creed of the earliest New Testament church, an eyewitness-based report of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This creed has been dated back by scholars to within months of the death of Jesus and Brother Joe read it, read it today. A creed, a newsflash from, from ancient history of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have Jesus was dead. The early accounts of the resurrection is, is awesome. And then, of course, we have the empty tomb. Now, even the opponents of Jesus admitted and the enemies of Jesus admitted that the tomb was empty. And what did they say? The lowly disciples overtook the soldiers at the tomb and rolled away the stone and stole the body. Everyone was conceding that the tomb was empty. And it's funny, even in our day and age, they're not really sure where the tomb of Jesus is. I mean, when you have a resurrected dude, he's gone. Where, where's that tomb again? And this brings us up to the fourth point, the proof, the wonder. The eyewitnesses, most of what we know about ancient history comes from one or two sources of information over many, many years. But from the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the risen Christ, we have no fewer than nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they had seen the risen Christ. And that is an avalanche, a tsunami of historical data illustrating the case for the risen Savior. Facts, information. I brought up Gerd Ludemann. He is a New Testament atheist scholar. There's people that read the word of God. 
but do not allow the Holy Spirit to bring the word of God to life. Amen? All right, fifthly, we have that Jesus was dead, the early accounts of the resurrection. We have the empty tomb. We have the eyewitnesses. And fifthly, we have the excruciating lives lived and died by the disciples. What caused the disciples of Christ to die horrendous deaths? If it was a lie or if it was a, a group hallucination. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because they had seen and experienced our risen Savior. And it changed their lives forever. That's my prayer for you today. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would behold the risen Christ and give your life 100% to him and live your life for the glory of God. Say yes to Christ as Savior and as Lord and live a wonderful, excruciating life of adventure and love and the power of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the enemy, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We see that all over the world. We see it in our families. We see it in our own lives. He works and he works and he works and he works to destroy the family, to destroy your life, to cause you to make choices that bring you to despair and hostility. What did Jesus say? I have come that you might have life and have it overflowing, have it abundant. Amen? That new life is the reality of the resurrection power and life of Christ given to us by his spirit. Jesus ascended to heaven and said, fellas, listen, that was great fish that I had, but I got to go. I got to go to heaven where I'll be glorified. And guess what? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor, the spirit of truth to invade your life so powerfully that you who were losers and betrayers and deniers will become proclaimers of my gospel through the power of the Holy Ghost. Man, if God can use Peter, I'm sure that he could use you. Amen? As you give your life to God in the power of the Holy Spirit, resurrection power. Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And he was speaking about the Spirit of God and the reality of Christ's resurrection life inside of you guys. We need in this end time to get a grasp of the risen Christ. And like Paul, say, God, I, Christ, I want to know you. The power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering in every aspect of who you are, I want to know you. We got to be careful with our worldview, don't we? Like I said, Easter Bunny hands out candy. Jesus died on the cross. And we mix that up into our philosophy and we lose the sense of the gospel as it relates to our, our life and how it changes us. We need a proper worldview. Jesus said this interesting thing. You are not of this world, but you're in it. Isn't that amazing? You're not of this world, but you are in it. So are we weirdos? Are we nut jobs? We've come to the conclusion based on God's word and the Holy Spirit's work of truth and conviction 
in our lives that the views and perspectives, the opinions and arguments of men still dead in their sins and trespasses, separated from God, only bring brokenness, pain, injustice, and oppression, sorrow, and adversity to this world. And aren't you tired of it? Amen. Only Christ brings life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Way back in the garden, God told Adam and Eve that there will be one that comes savior a messiah that steps on the neck of our enemy amen and destroys him god showed up to abram in a covenant manner and said through you your seed your family all the families of earth will be blessed because there will come a messiah one day all this oppression injustice sorrow pain adversity heartache from within depression anxiety Trials, tribulation, corruption, pride, arrogance, self-righteousness, it will all come to an end. The kingdom of God will come and the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. There will be a new heaven and a new earth filled with the glory and the presence of God as the waters cover the sea. Aren't you waiting for that day? Amen. Way back, way back when God gave the law. It revealed God's order, his design, his purpose for all mankind. To live under the rule, the law, the sovereignty, the authority of God and his purpose for creation. But we found out that the law only tells us that we're sinners. We can never measure up to the law. Amen. My wife just broke the law the other day. She went through a red light. Yeah. Bad, 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 bad. She got caught. I've gone through and haven't got caught. That's the only difference. And that's probably you too as well, right? We can't measure up to the law of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What was the law of God to do but to tell you that there will be one day when the law of God will be fulfilled through Christ the Messiah. Amen? And that the law of God will be in our hearts. It will be in our minds. The Holy Spirit will change us from the inside out and we'll live lives under the authority and the sovereignty of God alone for he is our master. And here's our great God. The more the Ten Commandments become suggestions in our world, the more hellish insanity and brokenness hits, hits this world. Amen? The Bible says that the end times will be filled with lawlessness. People will eventually bow to the son of perdition, the Antichrist, the beast, the man of lawlessness. Do we so see lawlessness in our world today? Let's uphold the law of God. Amen? Let's uphold the law of God and live our lives under the sovereignty and authority of who God is. Then came the sacrifices. The sacrifices was a daily reminder to everyone, you ain't right. You ain't right. You got a problem. You ain't right with God. The sacrifices illustrated the fact that we needed a savior. We needed to have our sins covered and our sins taken away. Thank God that Jesus Christ came. Amen. The sinless lamb of God once and for all died for our sins. That when he said it is finished, the work of salvation was done. Amen. And when you accept Christ as your, as your savior, the spirit of the living God comes into your heart. You're born again and you have all that you need to live your life for the glory and the passion of Jesus Christ. 
The prophet spoke hundreds of years before Christ's sacrificial death, of Christ's coming, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. Years and years and years before. The psalmist sings of the redeeming law and love of God, sang prophetic songs of Christ's ministry, of fulfilling the law, bringing justice to victory. Amen? What a great God we serve. Our Holy One will not see corruption. And then all of a sudden, 400 years of silence where God did not reveal himself through a prophetic word. Can you imagine? We can't even go hardly one week and we get all whacked out. 400 years. And then all of a sudden, a half-naked, locust-eating desert dweller came declaring that the kingdom of God is here. Amen? Make straight your paths. Prepare your heart for the coming kingdom that will come. Wow. Make straight the way of the Lord. Prepare the way for the kingdom of God to invade this earth and invade your life. The king is coming. From darkness to the kingdom of his light, he's raised us up with Christ, blessed us with every spiritual blessing. To minister on planet earth his resurrection, life-giving, heart-transforming, resurrection power of God to this world and its people that are suffering in darkness, oppression, injustice, war, abuse, lawlessness, unrighteousness, and death. When Christ comes in as Savior and Lord, friends, he begins the process of deleting, purging, rebooting, renewing, and making us into new creations. Amen? My wife has told me on several occasions that if I was not a Christian, she would not want to know me. I'll let that seep, seep into your minds as you think about that. What that tells me is, thank God for the grace of God. Amen? Thank God that he's changed my life. Thank God that God is always working on us. Our attitudes and our actions, a new worldview of looking at people the way Jesus sees them. Amen? is what we need. We hear a lot of what would Jesus do? Amen? And then we, we, try, to, we try to do what Jesus do, does, does, and, then, and we don't, then we don't do it. And then shame and guilt and condemnation comes in and we find out we really can't do what, what Jesus did. Really, Jesus is the only one that has lived the Christian life, amen? When you really, really think about it. We need to start letting him do something through us. Amen? Christ living through us. Christ in us. The hope of glory. There's only one person who has ever lived the Christian life. It's Jesus. So, the Christian life is to be lived out where you hang out. Where you go to work. Where you go to school. And you know what? It won't be you living the Christian life. It will be the spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, living his life through you, reaching a lost and dying world. Aren't you tired of trying to do what Jesus does? Let's just allow Jesus to do what he does in our heart and live that out for the glory of God. Amen? Have you ever had to follow someone in a car? Or have you ever, like, been the person leading and somebody following you? Frustrating, you know, like me. I want to go. Keep up with me, man. You know what I'm saying? Keep up with me. 
But it's easy to get distracted. We get distracted by the scenery, by what's around us. We get distracted by the hum and flow of the busy traffic. It's easy to get caught up in our everyday life and in our everyday world that we lose sight of Jesus Christ. We lose sight of the word of God. We lose sight of the Spirit's work in our heart. The cross is something that we are to bear. The cross that Jesus is talking about is not the religious symbol. It's not about that bling you have around your neck. It's not something you hang externally on your body, but the internal transformation of heart that happens in your life when you claim Christ as Savior, Master, and Lord. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Is Jesus the Lord and Master of your life? In Jesus' day, if you were seen carrying a cross, everybody knew what was going to happen. You were headed for a horrible death. You were a dead man walking. You see, the crosses that we are to bear is not the inconvenience of our life. It's not necessarily about our ordinary, everyday worries and problems and stresses and, and, and anxieties. The cross you bear is the day in and day out, dying to self and selfishness. As you live to claim Christ as king of your will, king of your way, king of your life, king of your family, and hopefully king of your community. Amen? Taking up the, the cross daily is the act of laying yourself before Christ and saying, just like Jesus did to the Father, not my will, but your will be done. Once you've taken up the cross to die to self, you begin to experience the death of your old sinful nature and your unruly flesh. As we identify with the death and burial of Christ in our own lives, we begin to experience the very resurrection power and life of Christ in our lives. Amen. Romans chapter 6. Read it when you get home. You can't have a resurrection without a death. Amen. A lot of Christians lived made up, make over, made over lives but they've never died to self and claimed Christ as Lord. They've never experienced the, the idea of, of identifying with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, being buried where your old life is gone and over, and now raising in new life in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You see, the resurrection life of Christ explodes the sin, selfishness, shame, and death of our own old sin-stained hearts to pieces. Paul says it this way, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But Christ who lives in me, I no longer live. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you need to be resurrected today? Are you beholding the risen Christ now? On your road of Emmaus, Jesus Christ is showing up. He wants to reveal himself to you. And he wants to change you and transform you. Amen. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Amen. We live our lives through the power of the gospel and allow Jesus Christ to live his life through us. 2 Corinthians 5.15, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died 
and was raised again. Amen. First Thessalonians 5, 9 and 10. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. We live our lives through Christ, and Christ lives our lives, lives his life through us. We don't live anymore for ourselves, but we live for Christ. And then one day, we will be with him forever and ever and ever, and we shall truly behold him. Amen? What a great day that will be. He is risen. Amen? He's risen indeed. Let's bow for a word of prayer. I'm going to ask the band to come up and We'll sing that last song again, and we'll sit, seal the deal today. Maybe you've just been living a religious life, trying, striving, bound up in your own selfishness and self-centeredness, and you're wondering, what's it all about? Amen? Well, it's about allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way in your heart and in your life. Let's worship the Lord as we seal the deal of his word in our hearts, let's behold him, amen? Let's behold Christ today, our risen Savior, King of kings and Lord of Lords.